Namaste and welcome to another edition of the Bharat Varta Weekly. It's our last weekly for the year, and uh, we have plenty of things to discuss uh, uh, by way of news and events that happened last week. I have with me our regular guests uh, Ashish Chandorkar and Shrivatsa Subana here on a fine Sunday morning. Hi, Ashish. Hi, Vatsa. Hi, Kari. Hi, Kari. All right, guys. You know the drill. Now, before we get on to the news and events, uh, we're going to talk about. a couple of episodes that we put out uh, uh last week um so one i think this is probably one of my favorite episodes uh, of the year uh, where we spoke about atal bihari vajpayee ji and uh, his uh, tenure as a prime minister his life and times basically uh what's up what do you think about this epic two hour live stream uh first thing is i think we should do more live streams yeah uh, that apart uh, i i think it was a really fabulous episode Uh, in the sense that i could echo with you know a lot of what uh, ashish and rajiv said uh, especially where uh, ashish spoke about the despondency of the 90s so i think the time from 96 to 98 where we had that horrendous experiment called the udf and by the end of it i think almost everyone in india had given up on india yeah. uh, in terms of the politics and where it was headed so from there to get to a prime minister uh, who built infrastructure at a rate you know that is not that was not seen before uh, and a bunch of other uh, reforms that are still relevant today uh, whether it's uh, you know frbm electricity act and so on all of it was covered in a lot of detail so fabulous fabulous episode yeah i could not agree more Uh, Ashish, what do you think about the deep dive we did on uh, India's power sector? Power sector has been uh, one of my favorite areas of uh, of writing articles. I mean, I've been writing about it for the last six years. But I think this was one of the most comprehensive discussions that I've ever ever come across on the sector uh, anywhere in the media. The the various problems that were discussed, uh, the uh, various facets of what has been achieved so far in the last let's say five six years. and what remains to be done also the impediments i think both rajat and mudit did not mince words uh, in in either direction right like there, there are things which they knew had changed and have had become better and then there are things which uh, uh, are, are yet to be done and potentially cannot be done because of political compulsions or reasons so i think they were very forthright in in their views and despite the fact that both of them are actually in the industry and hence uh, have i mean they have skill in the game but they also have uh the the risk of uh you know being a participant while commenting on the topic uh, but i think they were very 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 honest and very forthright and i think i'll anyone who's in, in, interested in the infrastructure uh, side of things i would encourage them to watch this episode in its totality right yeah a couple of very good episodes in the last week of the year uh moving on so the the uk and eu reached a deal on uh, brexit uh, they signed a deal which curbs free movement of working uh, sorry just give me a second please a working professionals between the eea and the yeah, and the uk uh, the two markets will still retain tariff free and quota free access to each other uh, brexit has encouraged uk based companies to do more business with india uh, so india's services sector may gain from this uh, uh, the deal also opens up opportunity for an india uk trade deal ashish india has a trade surplus of uh, more than 2 billion with the uk how do you think Uh, this move will impact us 
I mean, see, uh, Brexit, of course, is a much bigger topic. The, of course, India will gain from this eventually because we will now have deals with both UK and um, with you uh, potentially in the next, let's say, uh, next ne- in, the, in the coming year. The UK deal, I think, uh, my my sense is that the uh, at least a at least a limited deal, if not a full deal, can even be signed as early as Jan twenty sixth when uh, Boris Johnson visits India for the Republic Day parade guest. So it is quite possible that we may do something uh, right away with with the UK, and uh, given that Indians form a big uh, set, I mean, a large chunk of population in UK, it was obvious, of course, a good opportunity for the firms in India to basically establish uh, a, a new export market or expand the new export market. But I think more broadly, uh, going beyond the Indian interests, which of course will be served through through this. But uh, see, Brexit um, happened in 2016, right? So I think the referendum took place in. on 23rd june of 2016 where 52% people voted to exit the eu while 48% wanted to remain in the in the system um they have been struggling for four years to craft for in four and a half years that has costed uh, a lot a lot of political uh, capital for individuals i mean theresa may has had quit uh, so uh, boris johnson came in uh, there was a lot of upheaval in the in the in the parties even on the even on the labor side in, in uk uh, the a lot of names changed since then right um the the deal was important because there are a lot of nitty gritties which had to be ironed out and i'll talk about a few important ones which could be which are quite interesting actually uh, because you don't you may not think about some of these issues as as major issues but these were like the top considerations for uh, a, a a choice between a hard brexit and a and a, and a uh, i mean a no deal brexit and a brexit with a deal so uh, one of them was fishing so uh, because the fishing activity has been fairly liberal between uk uh, and the eu based firms in the waters in the international waters so one of the major contentious issues was on on the fishing side where uk wanted to cut uh, 80% of the value of fish caught by eu boats in uk while you uh, only wanted to pro- cut 18% percent, one eight uh, and what has been achieved is like they'll be they'll be cutting 25% over the next 5 years in in a phased manner and uh, after which uh, both eu and uk can uh, put in either restriction restrictions or uh, tariff barriers to uh, for for fish trade between the two blocks so that is one uh, one important part of the deal um, the whole uh, level playing field between U, uh, uk and eu firms like will they get the same kind of tax treatment uh, uh, market access will there be you know like uh, barriers in contract processes and stuff like that plus a dispute resolution like what will be the role of european court of justice uh, these were other issues to be discussed uh, i think the the arrangement is that largely speaking there will be a level playing field and the european court of justice will apply to uh, northern ireland as the highest court but not in the rest of uh, the uk uh, but uh, again it was a contentious issue which which they have come to uh, agree and some of these issues have been left for future there were more mundane issues also around the visas the applicability of visas for people uh, european pet visas uh, can can people own properties in other countries in 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 uh, eu i mean as you know a lot of the folks in uk own a second summer home in spain or uh, some of the southern european countries so will they have access to those uh, cont- uh, those their homes uh, you know visa free or what is the maximum duration they can stay and so on um, then um, will the mobile phones st- stop uh, roaming between eu and uh, uk and eu and will there be like a specific charges applied so there were issues like these and i think some of these things have been kind of dealt with uh, either uh, by saying that uh, independent laws can be made which is that 
the specific rules can only emerge let's say uh 3 to 6 months down the line and in some cases of course uh, it will be a loss for uh, the folks of folks from uk because like uh, like there'll be a visa requirement now to go, go into eu and that will have a 90 day validity as it used to be earlier so so basically people who own second properties um, will have to keep renewing their visas uh, for for access to their homes or of course sell them off um there were also challenges around the financial services part which has been a big uh, which has seen a big shift actually uh, since since brexit a lot of firms had moved to frankfurt because uh, the banks which had uh, books running uh, out of uk for the for the business and especially the investment banks uh, which are trading books in uh, based in uk but they, uh, the 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 trading itself was around the eu markets or eu securities so several of them had started moving to frankfurt and i think this will be a a major area of uh, a challenge both for uh, both for both the blocks actually like they'll have to rebalance the the presence in, in in the other block or extend the presence i mean you know they'll have to probably make fresh investments and this is one area where indian uh, uh, services firms stand to gain in a big way because there'll be new uh, a creation of like new software infrastructure basically new 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 logical infrastructure of um, you know how these banks are organized and practically uh, all banks have either an india capital center or uh, on it or you know uh, on on the business processes side or there are indian firms which service these banks so i think th- this is one area where indian indian firms will gain in a big way uh, in fact indian indian services firms will generally gain because of this change because of because the whole uh, let's say for for every every corporation every large company the the systems of records will change uh, i mean uh, they'll have to change their back end systems and so on which will all result into more let's say services work um all in all i think it's a it's an end to a long standing uh, debate on identity politics more than anything else uh, if, in around that time the uh, world was changing there was a quote unquote right wing tilt to the way the world thought about i mean which letter uh, which in 2016 of course uh, the, the biggest example of that was president trump winning the presidency later in that year um so some of it is getting over uh, in in the us and in a in a in the in the way of a change in in the rest of the world in the way of continuity but uh, uh, i think uh, the the repercussions of the deal itself will be felt for a while and it's quite ironic that some of the folks who voted for exit may actually be the most Im- severely impacted uh, personally by by this by this deal so uh, let's see uh, how that impacts the uk national politics uh, in the next election Well, that's a very comprehensive answer. Uh, all right, moving on. Um, the COVID nineteen vaccine has begun rollout as the new strain looms on the horizon. Uh, the Indian government is set to initiate a dry run for the vaccine across Andhra Pradesh, Assam, Gujarat, and Punjab. The government has launched the COVID nineteen vaccine intelligent network or COVIN system. Fantastic acronym again. Uh, this is set to strengthen the knowledge base for COVID vaccination in the country. The UK strain of the coronavirus has also found its way into India despite travel restrictions. What's up? What do you think? Uh, uh, you know, how do you think the government is handling this—the the new strain and the vaccine rollout and uh, things to that effect? Yeah. So the new strain uh, apparently originated in South Africa, and it's said to be more dangerous uh, in terms of how quickly it spreads and you know it impacts. this number called r0 which is basically how much how many people will one person who is infected with the virus uh, end up infecting uh it's uh, so the the thing is in uk at least uh, almost two thirds of all new cases uh, are 
you know with this new strain uh so it's 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 a challenge of sorts uh, especially with people coming in uh we are testing people at the airports but uh, apparently the new test uh because it's a it's a new strain we will not be able to we will not be using uh, the rapid antigen test because there are a lot of false positives in that so it will be pcr test which again you know takes 24 hours at least to get a result right uh so there are there are definite uh, challenges in terms of the new strain plus there are you know stories of which we saw even you know when corona hit first with people giving uh, wrong telephone numbers and then going missing making it uh, next to impossible for people to trace where they've gone so we will continue to have these challenges but uh, i think now the infrastructure is kind of set up right uh, in terms of whether it's tracing monitoring uh, treatment doctors have a much better idea about the virus uh, and what it takes to treat uh, and you're you're evidencing that in the you know falling number of deaths uh, across the country i mean from like 1100 a couple of months ago we are down to 300 340 now uh with with the number of tests going up so we are clearly detecting earlier and we know how to treat it uh coming to the second part of your question uh, which is you know india's plan with relate with relation to vaccination so i think few things are not very well known one is that uh, india probably runs one of the uh, largest immunization programs in the world so we immunize uh, we vaccinate about you know 27 million newborn kids every year uh, another 10 crore or 100 million get you know booster vaccines which are like subsequent doses and then uh, 30 million mothers to be also get vaccinated so we do have a very good setup in terms of vaccination so we have around 2 and a half lakh vaccinators in india which, which is a fairly big number and there is talk of you know addition of another 1 and a half lakh uh, nurses or midwives to this number to enable uh, you know vaccinating india india is a very large country so to that extent uh, we we will need a lot of people who are trained to be able to uh, vaccinate uh, you know people who uh, who are to be vaccinated uh, coming to the vaccines there are about three there are three vaccines that are in the advanced stages of trial uh, and serum institute has already manufactured i think some 40 million vaccines or so uh, so uh, in in terms of preparedness uh, we are there i think one thing we need to work on is the cold chain while that's also in place uh, because of you know what i mentioned which is uh, which is running the world's largest uh, vaccination program uh, so we have about uh, i think 24000 cold storage uh, facilities to take care of this uh, so in terms of the actual vaccination i think uh, you know the government has gone about it in a very sensible way in the sense that they are looking to vaccinate the healthcare workers the frontline workers and uh, you know people who are over the age of 50 or those with comorbidities first so that in itself uh, comes to around 30 crore people uh, if this set of people uh, you know are vaccinated first i think it it has a big impact on fatalities obviously uh and yeah so overall it's it's going to take i think 
a good year or so before uh, almost everyone gets vaccinated so going by popular uh, numbers i think we, if 60% is what is considered to be herd immunity we need to vaccinate about 80 crore people um so even if we add capacity you know to the existing uh, vaccination system that we have we'll still need i would say about 12 to 18 months minimum to vaccinate everyone so if people are waiting i think it it's going to be a while before the vaccine gets to you but it seems to be a well thought out plan uh and what and yeah we have to look at how it is executed as always right okay moving on um, the ddc polls were conducted in jammu and kashmir uh, the bhartiya janata party won 75 seats out of 278 Seventy-two of these seats were won in the Jammu uh, division. Among PAGDP, uh, sorry, among PAGD, the NC won sixty-seven, and former CM Mehbooba Mufti's uh, PDP won twenty-seven. The INC won twenty-six seats. The Prime Minister cited the transparent election process as a moment of pride for India. This is the first ever DDC after the passing of Article three seventy. Uh, Ashish, pretty significant development. yes uh, pretty significant simply because the polls happened in the first yeah. place and uh, uh, they happened free and fair without any violence and uh, during the times of corona right so overall the the stakes were uh, quite high the uh, uh, there were a lot of things going against the process but the government managed to actually get the polls through and i think that itself was a big achievement the pagd which is people's alliance for gupkar declaration they like the, there are seven components of that uh, that that alliance which is a national conference a pdp um people democratic front of uh, yasin shah cpim then uh, javed mustafa's jammu and kashmir people movement sajad loans uh, jammu and kashmir people's conference and finally muzaffar shah's awami national national conference so they all came together all of these leaders were under detention during the period of uh, the implementation of 370 uh, sorry removal of 370 rather and uh, the uh, these uh, i mean all of them did one another thing thing was that they did get around to contest the polls even if it was in an alliance so while they initially wanted to boycott the polls uh, the the fact that they participated also shows that the government has really won the battle of perception in terms of the uh, democracy being restored in the way uh, the the government has planned since august 2019 uh, these folks were uh, were were forced to participate because they knew that if they don't participate now the politics will become Uh, redundant so there'll be rhetoric about uh, their win i mean pagd 110 seats although nc which contested like 169 seats only one uh, uh, short of 70 seats so bjp still remains the single largest party in that sense but um, the the rhetoric around the vote being for removal of article 3 uh, i mean restoration of article 370 is i think uh, not going to cut any more uh, in fact pdp which was the most vocal about it has only won about 27 seats uh, just one more than congress at 26 and congress was forced to actually uh, distance itself from pagd although it was a signatory to some of the initial uh, uh, or at least it was a participant in some of the initial discussions and not the signatory but um, the uh, it was forced to uh, uh, distance itself from the alliance which also meant that the whole issue of article 370 is now settled uh, or, or should be considered settled uh, will the state go for the state, uh, assembly polls anytime soon uh, i am not very sure uh the government may want to keep this uh, g- uh arrangement going for let's say the next year couple of years and once uh, they realize that or once they see that uh, the grassroots politics has become stable and the local participation and by the way one one interesting thing was that 
the the uh, participation rate was pretty high i mean uh, the lok sabha seats which see, which see 9% 10% polling actually saw 33% polling uh, in 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 these polls in the kashmir valley so uh, and of course in jammu side side, side the, the number was anyway very high uh, the the polling numbers were pretty high so while of course the the part, the seat the, the seats which parties have won remain divided by religious lines and so on i mean bjp won 86% of all the predominant hindu seats while uh, still opening an account on three seats in, in the kashmir valley uh, the fact is that the government will probably try to look at how stable this arrangement is and uh, how how uh, how extensive is the participation in the local democratic processes on the on the ground so the state polls may happen much later but i think all in all a pretty good uh, vindication of the government stance and the fact that they kept the curbs on in the kashmir valley to prevent uh, the intolerance from rising uh, in in the true way uh, uh, a pretty good development uh, overall all right uh, president trump earlier conferred the legion of merit to prime minister modi uh, the united states awarded him the honor for his role in the relationship between india and the united states uh the legion of merit is one of the highest military honors of the us and can only be conferred by the us president the prime minister said that he was uh, deeply honored to receive the award he also reiterated the indian government's firm commitment to strengthen their ties with the us um uh, what's this is uh, again i mean what do you see what do you make of this uh, in the relationship between india and the us what's your on mute why am i not surprised <laughs> so yeah india's relationship with the us uh, has improved you know over time with the 90s we've spoken about it multiple times and it's i think it breaches all sort of bipartisan considerations uh, in the us uh, the the this award in particular is is very interesting because it was not just given to uh prime minister modi it was also given to uh, shinzo abe and uh, scott morrison so it becomes kind of a recognition and mainstreaming of what is known as the quad which is uh, india australia japan and the us uh so what was what started off as strategic dialogue and you know was uh at what you could say was that an experimental stage is now going to probably get institutionalized in the uh, coming years uh and the thing is the indo pacific region or the quad it's it's not a it's not a uh, geopolitical construct it's more like a geo strategic construct in the sense that uh, with what china has been doing right uh, with japan uh, you know the shinkaku islands on one side with india uh, when it comes to eastern ladakh then its uh, misadventures in the south china region uh, there was always a growing recognition that you know china is trying to show its might uh, all over the world uh, and this uh, indo pacific re- uh, sort of alliance uh, is probably going to be a counter to this uh, hegemony hegemonical attitude of china right that they have been showing uh, ever since uh, xi has taken over uh, so the constituents are in, uh, interesting they cover you know big chunk of the global waterways so if you look at on one side with india it's the sort of uh, indian ocean and so on with japan us the pacific the atlantic oceans get covered so it's a 
and it stems from the belief that you know international waterways are kind of necessary for trade and they should not be uh, beholden to you know political whims or and fancies of a particular country so i i see this more as a recognition of quad and obviously mr uh, modi's contribution to making quad uh, mainstream uh, so to that extent uh, it will also i think cement uh, donald trump's legacy in terms of mainstreaming this idea and uh, and creating sort of a new pole uh, when it comes to uh, global politics all right uh a successful trial was run on the eastern dedicated freight corridor uh, a freight train attained a speed of 100 kilometers per hour on the baupur kharja section uh, an eastern and western uh, corridor is being developed under, under the dfc project the project plans to optimize the flow of cargo between parts of the country the project's cost is about 81459 crores uh, ashish uh, again this is a you know we're seeing a massive infrastructure push uh, you know so much so that we bring it up almost every weekly that we're doing right yeah i think it's a good thing to talk about something new every week actually that yeah. shows the progress uh, the dfc concept was uh, originated in april 2005 uh, when india and japan agreed to do a uh, japan funded project on on the on improving the rail freight in india uh the idea was to have two corridors uh, about 1800 kilometers on the eastern side uh, from ludhiana to dankuni in uh, west bengal and from dadri to jnpt on the on the western side which is about 1500 kilometers uh these corridors could handle you know like uh, the the 32.5 uh, ton ax- axle weight uh, 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 load which is the standard in the world uh, indian load uh, is currently 22.5 ton axle so it's on the lower side and uh, also run timetabled freight trains which which it doesn't happen in india so the eastern one uh, which extends from ludhiana all the way to uh, west bengal uh, it has got several sections uh, it's got uh, six different sections actually uh, one of which which is khurja to bhawpur near kanpur that is uh, that was completed earlier this year in march by tata projects and aldia uh, aldesa uh, group and uh, this is now being dedicated to the nation uh, this week Uh, which is about 351 kilometers just this uh, section itself is quite interesting because it will uh, uh, it will kind of ease the traffic flow in the up uh, section which is now the busiest in the country in terms of the rail traffic so just having a dfc uh, even in even in between these two towns itself will help improve railway that's uh, operational efficiency both on the passenger side also on the uh, also on the freight uh, side and um, i mean a lot of work has gone into this uh, area uh, Uh, alstom has done the systems work mostly uh, alstom seems to be doing pretty good on making india initiators on the railway side both on uh, i mean the metro side also and also on the conventional railways and uh, the there are other uh, i think the thing to note is that india has also approved four other dfcs in jan 2018 which is the east west uh, corridor between calcutta and mumbai north south between delhi and chennai uh, east coast dedicated corridor between kharagpur and vijayawada and finally the south west corridor between chennai and goa so i hope that once we get past uh, dfc i mean the eastern and western dfc by let's say end of 2022 uh, we should also be able to expedite these other four corridors okay um finally the chief minister bs yadurappa unveiled bengaluru mission 2022 to overhaul the city infrastructure uh, the initiative will encourage public transport usage by speeding up the namma metro and the suburban rail project the project will also focus on developing 12 high density corridors and better road infrastructure 
the government has promised on creating clean waterways and lakes along with developing forest areas in Turohalli, JP Nagar and Mathikare. What's up? Much needed for uh, us uh, citizens of Bangalore. Absolutely. Uh, so I think uh, the the thing with uh, it's it's good to you know have a longer term plan for a city. Uh, almost every major city in India has has done that. Uh, this one is more significant, I think, because he is looking at achieving a lot of things in the next two years. Uh, he's focusing on you know three or four of the main pain points of citizens i'll just briefly touch upon them uh, first uh, obviously as anyone who lives in the city knows it is and or you can look at ashish stl it is you know the problem with traffic and unpredictable commute times uh, so they're talking of fixing infrastructure uh, focusing on shared infrastructure to make sure that happens the second thing is cleanliness uh, with the you know increase in population increased amount of waste generation how to recycle compost and so on because a lot a lot of waste ends up you know being dumped in the lakes they're also talking about cleaning lakes and so on so that's another good part uh, the third part is about reclaiming some of the green lung of the city which was uh, known as the garden city still known as the garden city but the green cover has definitely shrunk so there is talk of reclaiming some public sector land and creating gardens out of that. And the last is focusing more on e-governance, uh, you know, through a citizen connected portal and so on. One significant change that has happened in Bengaluru is uh, earlier we had a mayor who was elected for a year with the term of a year. We will now have two, uh, two uh, mayors over a five year period and they'll have a longer term. So that that should increase accountability, and hopefully we'll see some results on the ground. Uh, we'll cover. I think we'll talk more about this uh, in uh, in the year-end episode that we are planning. Uh, you know, where one of the things we'll talk about is what what have the changes been in Karnataka in the last one year. So I think we'll talk about that more in detail then. All right. So you heard it from WhatsApp. Uh, we're doing a year-end special on December 30th. We're going to start at about 5 o'clock. Uh, you know, join us. Uh, it's going to be one mammoth session. It's going to be live stream, of course. Uh, so we have about 18 guests signed up thus far, and we have about 18 different, very diverse topics, some of which uh, you're seeing on the screen. Uh, and you'll hear from uh, people who you've heard and loved over the course of this year. Uh, Rajiv Mantri, Harsh Gupta, Rohit Jairaman, and of course, our own... Uh, Ashish and WhatsApp will be joining as well, uh, right? So this is going to be amazing and uh, hope you can join us December 30th, 5 p.m. onwards. We'll put out uh, more information on social media. Ashish, WhatsApp, what are you looking forward to for, you know, this particular episode? Actually, we do have some unconventional uh, topics also that we are covering uh, in, in terms of, uh, you know, best books of the year, uh, fintech developments, uh, Kashmir politics, and so on. So looking forward to some of those things, which aren't discussed enough generally on, on uh, even on Bharat Vata as such. So, so look forward to that. Yeah. I think, uh, yeah, I'm also looking just at the breadth of topics that we are covering. I think it'll be the most uh, comprehensive year-end review. 
and as ashish mentioned some of these topics are you know not covered elsewhere so it will be great yeah so this is uh, going to be podcast number 99 for the year uh, so again i mean i'd like to take a moment out to thank all of you who are listening to this watching this uh, thank you so much for your support uh, you know we started bharatwarta in february um, just you know out of a whim and since then it has grown in stature and it's grown in size and it's all thanks to you uh, so thank you again guys and uh, hope you'll support us in the future as well look forward to seeing you on december 30th all right from ashish watsa and myself take care stay safe jai hind bye goodbye bye